I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Before we get started, I'm going to do the thing where I plug my own work again. This week, I published a piece on Medium about the diagnostic process called, conveniently, Diagnosis is a Process, Not an Event. It's basically a summary of everything that I wish I'd known when I first started getting sick, so much of which I've learned from doing these interviews. So if you've ever had trouble getting your friends or family to understand that you've been sick for much longer than you've been diagnosed, or that effective treatment doesn't mean that you'll magically turn back into a healthy person, then I really think this piece will resonate with you. You can find it by going to my Medium profile, which is at medium.com slash at Benesby. I don't know why they include that at sign in their URLs, but they do. So it's medium.com slash at symbol Benesby. Also, here's a quick reminder that I recently started a Patreon campaign, which is a really simple way for listeners to support the show financially on a monthly basis. So if you've been enjoying the show and you have a couple bucks to spare, then I'd be so, so grateful if you'd sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash noendinsight. This week, I'm talking to Frank Rivera about sarcoidosis, IBS, Parkinson's, Sjogren's. Oh my God, I don't know why I have so much trouble with that. I was going to try again because I know what it's supposed to sound like, but I just can't do it. Sjogren's? Maybe. Let's leave it at that. Anyway, and cancer treatment. Frank also shares a lot about his advocacy work for sarcoidosis and the importance of caring for your mental health when you live with chronic pain. As a quick content note, we do talk about suicidal ideation and suicide due to pain later in the episode. It's when Frank starts talking about connecting patients with remote mental health care. There's nothing detailed, but if that's a topic that you want to avoid, then I definitely recommend that you start skipping ahead at that point. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So make sure you talk to your doctor about any questions or symptoms. I like to start by just asking, how was your health as a kid? Okay. Um, when I, actually, it wasn't that good. Uh, when I was uh, five years old, I had childhood leukemia. And uh, that started my journey. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I went through four years of chemo and radiation for that. Um, I actually didn't go to school for from first grade to, well, half of kindergarten all the way to half of fourth grade. Okay. And I didn't go to any school. Wow. I mean, that must have been a lot, like a lot to go through and very immersive and isolating, I would think. Yes. Yeah. I have I have two older brothers and one younger sister, and um, and my mom was always sick. So she mm. had, heart, had heart problems. So she had like eight heart surgeries. Wow. So... Yeah, so it was really tough. Um, I really give credit to my brothers. Um, they really taught me. It was something so easy as learning, because we're all big sports fans in our family, is I learned how to read from reading the back page of the of the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> reading the, the sports, like the standings of the baseball games. And that's how I learned. I actually learned. Yeah. And then my, mo- my mother went one step and she got, here's a, classic thing is um world book encyclopedias oh yes i remember them <laughs> yeah and we used to get one a month mm. uh, we were on that one a month plan thing and i actually in the four years i read from a to z 
you must have learned a lot of very obscure things in alphabetical <laughs> yeah. order. <laughs> exactly. And I didn't, like, I won't say I, re- I knew everything about it. And yeah. I always had to ask my brother and everything. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot from that. And because when I was actually allowed to go back to school, they were like, yeah, you need to go back to first grade. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, how are you, like, streamed back into school? Because... Yeah, well, yeah, we, we I lived um, I lived at one town called Amityville, and then we moved to this other town at Santa Reach. It's Long Island, New York. And um, they were, they kept on pushing that we, we need to go back to first grade. Well, my mom, who is very, very um, protective and also – uh, we always say stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, but she asked them to t- actually to t- have me take a test mm-hmm. and to see how you know where I belong, test wise. And I actually took the test and they actually put me in fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to. I actually didn't want it because I was so small because of having the childhood leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very small. I was even small for a fourth grade. I never mind being in a fifth grade I just felt very out of place so I ended up going back to fourth fourth mm-hmm. grade and it was um very it I mean do, going through those four years was very tough um yeah. I mean just going back and forth to the hospital um go you know just being tired couldn't do anything I mean those are like prime years of kids wanting to go out and play and wasn't allowed to do a lot of that also mm-hmm. so that actually started off my whole journey of being, um, you know, dealing with illnesses. Yeah. And then, you know, um, later on, I like right after college, I ended up with IBS. Okay. So between fourth grade and college, things felt pretty good? Actually, really good. Um, I was, I went to school. I was always in one of the tops of my class in school. I was a runner. I actually, um, I was one of the top in my state in the mile and I also in college I actually broke four minutes in the mile wow uh, so I mean I was always running and I loved running so um, it actually gave me a scholarship got me into you know got a scholarship for running and um, I ended up going to division two okay um, um, but it was it's a lo- it was um, Long Island University it's mm-hmm. local over here um, and division two could only give you a half scholarship for running because sports so, aren't as yeah, centered yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up getting another half scholarship for my academics. So I actually didn't have to pay for college, which was nice. <laughs> it was yeah, really nice. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And I was running all, all the way up until, let's see. All right. Uh, I think I was in my 30. Yeah, 32. I saw. I, that's when um, I actually got really sick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then let's break into that. So after college, you said IBS. And did you think right away that something was wrong? Or was it kind of a gradual, like, discomfort and GI problems that you eventually took to a doctor? Yeah, um, at first it was was gradual. But then, I mean, all of a sudden, I just got hit where I couldn't even walk. Mm. Um, So I was like, I I ended up in the ER. Okay, with pain? Yeah, with pain. And that's actually how they found my rare disease that I, I have now. Okay, at the, I went there. at the same time? Yeah, it was okay. just like, um, I went to the hospital, they did a x-ray. And when they did the x-ray, they cut the bottom lobes of my lungs. Okay. And they found masses. Mm-hmm. That must um, have been 
very scary to hear just that by yeah. itself, especially with your history. Yeah, I was in Florida at the time, and um, it was 2004. And then um, with that ha- happening, they sent me to a um, to, to uh, USF University of South Florida Hospital, um, which they did a biopsy. Okay. And the oncologist called me back and told me I had lung cancer. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up doing another four years of chemo and radiation because by the time they found it, it was in all of my lobes. Okay. Uh, what they thought was cancer. Unfortunately, it was a misdiagnosis. Oh my God. So you went through four years, four more years because you'd already been through four years of cancer treatment yes. as a kid. So four yes. years of, and did you say chemo and radiation? Was it both? Yes. Oh. Yes. And, and it was, a, it was, a, very, it was uh, a complex um, chemo. It was what they called a cocktail, which is three, actually three chemos mixed into one okay. uh, because I, I was, I wasn't able to have surgery because, like they said, they found the masses in all of my lobes of my lungs. So right. it wasn't like they could do, you know, they couldn't take them all out unless I get a lung transplant. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I went through four years of chemo and radiation, which was worse as an adult than it was as a kid. Because a lot of the times as a child, I didn't remember a lot of it because mm. I was so young. Mm-hmm. Where this, this, of course, I remembered. <laughs> um, and I was down from, I started out weighing about 130 and I was 98 pounds at one point yeah yeah I was yeah very and um so it was so I mean I only went once I was going once a week Mm -hmm. but once a week for chemo and once a week you know for radiation two separate days so two days really so um but I mean it would it would knock me out for two or three days yeah of course yeah Yeah, hard it was yeah it was real especially since it was they told me because it was a mix of three chemos um uh, that it was going to be a it was going to be a lot rougher um and so uh, you know i had to deal with that and then and i sorry i know we're going forward but because they were they found this while they were also looking at the ibs i can imagine chemo and radiation are not doing wonders for your digestive system so The IBS maybe didn't feel as important as lung cancer would have, but ha- that must have all been mixed into that too, right? Like your just daily quality of life would have been really difficult, I would think. Yeah, the pain in, that I was getting from the chemo, um, especially because of the chemo, was really affecting my um, my GI tract a mm-hmm. lot. Um, so, I mean, I would it's been... And, Probably, I ended up spending probably in the four years, probably about two months worth of it was in the hospital because of my GI okay. systems. Um, but they wouldn't do surgery because my body was too weak because of the right. cancer. Yeah, and so, your immune system was probably just... Yeah, very compromised. Yeah, after lunch. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Okay. Yep. So, and also, okay, I have one more question yep. about this Go period. How, how much of this was covered by insurance or how was that side of things... Um, at that time, All right. at that time, in 2004, my insurance wasn't that great. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I was covered, but it was 80 20. Mm. Uh, so, needless to say, I was pulling out a lot out of my pocket. Yeah, um, especially when a chemo treat one chemo treatment is 20,000, if not more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then the radiations, another you know, 50,000 there. It was, oh, yeah, I was probably putting out, I was 
I was in construction and I had my own business. Okay. And I had insurance from that. Um, but I mean, I probably was putting out in those four years alone, I probably put out probably about close to $400,000. Yeah. I mean, uh, it makes my head hurt I, how this stuff works. Um, and yeah, were you able to keep your, your business going while you were also going through treatment? Yeah, um, I had a really good supervisor that mm. actually ran ran the cruise. Um, yeah, that would make a big would, difference. Would, yeah, and I, I mean, I had my accountants that were given out. You know, they always paid the um, paid the employees, so I didn't have to worry about that mm-hmm. stuff. So um, a lot of it was a lot. Of, I was able to, you know, give to other people. Yeah, you were able uh, to um, delegate. That's the word. Delegate. Yeah, that's yeah. the word. <laughs> so yeah, I was able to do that and. Um, well, um, I also, so in 2004 is when I found out I have like, I have a daughter who was born in 2002. So okay. when I heard about the lung cancer, uh, that really threw me for a loop because I mean, she was only two years, not even two years old yet. It was in July that I found out and mm-hmm. she was born in December. So yeah. she was only and a half years old and that really, really freaked me out and yeah. worrying, what am I going to be? Am I going to be there for my daughter? Um, and all that. So it was really tough on that respect um so but then in 2000 like 2008 so four years of chemo later yes yeah um they actually told me i was in remission okay so i'm like oh this is great i'm you know i i was i moved to um oklahoma because my um my ex and my my daughter's mom moved mm-hmm. to oklahoma because that's where her family was okay and we you know, we uh, broke up so they moved over moved to oklahoma so I moved over to be closer to my daughter, and um, yeah. So I, they ended up having to still do um, like that during the end of that month, uh, that year. I ended up doing three more radiation treatments um, after they, they said, told you you were in yeah. remission. Okay. Yeah, they're saying it's a precautionary, I guess. Um, yeah. And because it still, you could still see it in a, you could still see the masses in my thing, but they weren't growing. They're actually smaller than they they were. So, but that's the best they thought it was ever going to be. Okay. You know, and like you were going to be managing it, basically. Yeah. 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 And probably I was going to have to go back, you know, do a couple of, like a year or so later, do, do some more. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in 2009, I ended up moving back up to New York. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't handle Oklahoma the wasn't for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to be in a social fair space and then you go down to Oklahoma where it was very, very small. It was like, I just couldn't. So I moved back up here, and um, I met my current wife now. And um, 2011, um, well, actually 2010, uh, my wife got pregnant. Okay. And, um, January 2011, she was born January 3rd, and but she was only 25 weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, so that would have um, been scary too. Yeah, she, very, she very. They told her that. She probably wouldn't even make it through the um the delivery. Well, she mm. made it through the delivery, and she only lived for five more days. Mm, that would be passed, so hard. Yeah, she passed away in um, January eighth. Well, they, I ended up at the end of January getting sick again. Mm-hmm. It was my IBS acting up actually, and really I thought it was because of the stress of, of yeah, you know, AB and all that. And that's what caused the I, IBS to act up. Yeah. Well, when they did another X-ray at the hospital here. They found the masses were actually growing. Okay. So 
They, that would be a hard, hard month, it sounds like. Yeah, it's very, very, very rough. So they told me to go to an oncologist. Well, the oncologist wanted to do another biopsy to make sure. And when they did the biopsy, they found out I didn't have cancer. I had sarcoidosis. Okay. And so <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this. Yes. <laughs> uh, and let me get like two of them out of, out of the way, and then you can answer them in whatever order actually makes sense. So my first question is, if this was a second biopsy and they figured something else out, then what what happened with the first biopsy? Do you know? And then my second question is, tell me more about sarcoidosis and what it is. Okay. okay. However, all right, we'll that start, all makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, all right. I'll st- actually tell, start off with sarcoidosis because okay. it'll flow into what, the other doctors that I saw. Um, well, sarcoidosis... In easiest terms is when your white blood cells go to fight off a disease or a cold or something in your body, well, mine don't go fight. They go there and they clump up and form masses or granulomas, they call them. Okay. So they're masses of white blood cells? Yeah. Sort of? Yeah. That's what the easiest way to describe it. I mean, really, they're called granulomas. Um, And it's also, it's an inflammatory disease with autoimmune aspects because of the white blood cells. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so that's basically what sarcoidosis is. But now when I, like I said, I found out I had sarcoidosis, I had no idea what it was, of course. It's a rare disease. Yeah, there's, about, there's about 200,000 people in the United States that have it. Okay. And there's a, a lot of good news and some bad news on sarcoidosis. The good news is, is that if it's caught early enough, 75% of the people after having prednisone will go into remission. Okay. Um, when I found out I had sarcoidosis, my wife told me that my brother-in-law had sarcoidosis. So her brother had it? Yeah. What and are the odds? I know, right? <laughs> and to find out that he's been in remission for 20, 27 years. Wow. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, hey, this isn't that bad. Um, yeah. So, but then... I started having a really hard time breathing, mm-hmm. and um, so I knew something was wrong. I mean, I couldn't. I went from, like I said, running, and then right. I went to. Um, I couldn't even walk a quarter of a mile. And That's what? And yeah, because of your lung function, it felt like yeah, like you couldn't. My lungs breathe. I was from... having trouble breathing. Um, it could be a perfect seventy degree day, and it's. I was having trouble breathing, so I knew I needed to go see somebody else. Because the first doctor I saw didn't really know much about sarcoidosis, which is, you know, common. Yeah. it is a rare disease. And, and they told the me, oh, this- oncologist who died. So he diagnosed you and was like, yeah, you're going to need to find someone else. Doctor. Yeah. You need to see a pulmonary yeah. doctor. Okay. And the first pulmonary doctor I saw was like, oh, we'll put you on prednisone and come back in six months. Uh, they put me on 40 milligrams of prednisone. For, and I was on it for two and a half years. Um but that uh, would be is, intense, I would think, from what yeah, I've heard about really prednisone. Terrible. Yeah, it gets uh, it's terrible side effects. It really um, it's, it causes actually more trouble than the sarcoidosis can at some time. Well, um, I ended up, I had enough. I ha- had to find out where anybody that would know about sarcoidosis. Well, I live on Long Island. I live about an hour and a half away from New York City. Mm-hmm. And, and in New York City, there's a hospital called Mount Sinai. Okay. Hospital. Yep. It has the largest sarcoidosis clinic in the United States and almost in the world. Okay. Um, so 
uh, I went there. I talked to a pulmonologist there who actually is the head of um, the, like, the Na- National Sarcoidosis Board. Um, okay. A, she's the head of the, um, of the doctor's board, part of the board. And um, she came in. I, you know, I went in there. I talked to her about it. And she had me come back a month later. And she got all the results, all everything from down even in Florida. Okay, so and, your whole medical history. Yes, um, she got everything that she could. She even got the. Uh, she this when I walked in that month later. There's three um, microscopes up there, and, and she's like, first thing I want you to do is look at the microscopes and look inside of them, and you could see that two of them looked alike and one didn't, and she's like. Um, what do you t- what can you tell about these? And I'm like, well, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she, she goes, no, look at this. Look at the cells. You're really and well, cancer cells are actually scattered cells. When you're looking under microscope, they're scattered. Okay. Sarcoidosis cells look like a circular motion. They look like formed in circular motion. Okay, like they have a pattern to how they kind yeah, of cluster together. They, okay. Yes. And she, two of them looked like that, and one didn't. And she's like, well, the two that look like that, that's your first biopsy report. That's what it looked like. And this is the, your second biopsy report. Mm-hmm. And the third one is a cancer cell. Just like as an informational yeah. slide. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So that does she's answer like, that question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and she's like, and you, don't t- you, you said you don't know science, and you did that? <laughs> and yeah. you can figure it out? So, yeah, they misdiagnosed me. It was a bad mistake. But actually, part of it helped because the chemo actually helped, like I said, from it mm-hmm. growing. It did, yeah, it, shrink the masses, you said. It shrank the masses. but And it also helped it from not transfer going to, you know, to other parts of my body. Well, and can it, it built- start anywhere for people? So yours were in your lungs. Yeah. Yeah, 90% of the people get it in their lungs first. Okay. Um, there is there is no cause right now for sarcoidosis. Mm-hmm. Um and there is no, of course, there's no cure. Yeah. Uh, most, you know, rare diseases. Um, they were, but they do know what accelerates. And it's heavy dust. There's molds. It's very environmental chemicals. Okay. So okay, that but you have sense. to have some a gene in your body for it to activate. Like like many things, it's yeah. suspected that there's some some genetic component and some environmental yes. component, but nobody knows quite what the yeah. perfect storm is yeah yes okay that makes as much sense as anything makes when yeah. it comes to these things <laughs> exactly um yeah so the chemo actually helped but then the radiation actually made it worse because mm. it brought down my immune system mm-hmm. I, you know, the, I mean chemo does that bring down the immune system but the chemo was kind of fighting off the cells as it was but the way since i had the radiation added on to it my immune system, and then I went down to 98 pounds, and I was fighting right. off this, that, the other yeah. thing. Um, I ended up, by the time she diagnosed me with sarcoidosis of that month later, I had it in 75% of my body. Okay. So and, it yeah, was... So needless and to say, was after, I wasn't one of the- Yeah. And this was after the two and a half years of prednisone, is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when that happened, I just... Um, um, they said, all right, you need to see, they have a sarcoidosis um, specialist for the whole body. And um, this doctor is actually considered one of the best doctors in the world for sarcoidosis. 
um, is Dr. Morgenthau. He, um, he, he's a, a really, really great doctor and he has helped me. He actually saved my life a couple of times. Um, but when I, before I saw him, like in between that transition, I was seeing local doctors here because it was, it started to affect, uh, like I said, 75% of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I mean, it was in my bones. It was like arthritis, like arthritis, and then it was also inside my bone marrow. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, how did that impact your quality of life and your day-to-day life? Because you mentioned how your lung function was impacted, yeah. but what was this yeah. point like? Yeah. At this point, when I, you know, when I found, when they found out, and I knew that I was starting to feel worse. I mean, I ended up, I, um, in 2012, I ended up going on disability mm-hmm. um, because. I, my hands, I mean, like I said, the arthritis, and it's in every part of my joints right now. Okay. Um, and then it ended up going into my brain. Mm-hmm. So I have neurosarcoidosis, and that affects all your neurological. And then it was in my eyes. Um, so I, actually, my left eye was at 40% vision. Okay. At one point. Um, and then um, uh, it, my gallbladder. Um, and actually act, went into my um, GI tract. Okay. Also, which was already and, not the happiest place, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, 2012, like I said, was a kind of a in between point because he was so busy trying to get in touch, get back and forth with him. Um, I tried to get some like a rheumatologist and other doc, um, the ophthalmologist and the neuro mm-hmm. and. Um, I found a lot of good doctors, except my rheumatologist was not really up on the facts. And he actually, um, I was, like I said, I still had the IBS, so I was having a lot of problems with my stomach also. So, I, of course, I started gastro. But my rheumatologist was like, well, for the pain, we'll, we'll give you naproxen. Okay. Which uh, is like <laughs> sort of like a stronger version of Advil. Not exactly yeah. the same, but it's an NSAID. It's a stronger NSAID, right? Yes. And one of the biggest problems with that is that it's um, affection, the eye system. Mm-hmm. It's very, very terrible for your stomach. Well, in from 2012 to 2016, I had seven surgeries. Okay. I had my gallbladder, gallbladder removed, and then I have had I had three hernia surgeries, and then all the rest were in my GI tract. Um, okay. At the first surgery I had with they actually took a foot and a half of my colon out of my large intestine. And then um, I ended up going back again in April of, this was in April of 2012. Yeah. April of 2012 was, oh, so bad. I, I, we had a second floor of, we have a full house and I was in the second floor on the, in the bed. I couldn't even move. I couldn't get anywhere. My brother-in-law and my wife had to carry me down the stairs, go to the hospital went to the hospital um they were gonna send me home and i'm like no i need something we need to do this it was very late it was sunday night um it was, it was like 12 o'clock and they were like we're gonna you know there was nothing we they didn't see anything on the um x-rays anything mm-hmm. abnormal compared to what it was and so one of the emergency room doctors decided let's just do a ct scan if that doesn't show anything then we'll send them home blah 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 they did the ct scan it was like I guess about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, they came back in and they told me, "Oh, he's going. You're going in for surgery." That's I'm a like, real turnaround. Yep. 
going, what, what happened to going home? <laughs> yeah. So they found out that um, my colon had a hole in it. Okay, that is a serious problem. Yeah, so, um, but the prednisone, because I was on high doses of prednisone, was masking it. It didn't show up in x-ray. It, it showed oh. up. Yeah, so Weird. that's, yeah. <clears throat> they But it showed up in a CT scan. It said that I had loose air, that air was going into my body. Mm-hmm. So they actually told my wife to start calling my family. Mm. They actually said I had like a 30 Three percent chance of living this through the surgery. That's how bad oh it was. Oh my goodness! Yeah. What a four-hour surgery was supposed to be ended up being eight hours because not only did I have the hole, the hole was due to the naproxen. Right. Okay. Um, they not only did I have the hole, I ended up with sepsis throughout my whole body Ugh, because how long? Also scary. Whole, yeah. Um, they ended up with three surgeons in the room. They were telling me, I don't remember because at seven thirty on Monday morning is when I had the surgery. I don't remember anything until Thursday. Okay. They, um, so it would have been the surgery, the surgery itself was all day Monday. It sounds like, and then you had two days of yeah, I was, not I was, lucid I was, recovery. ICU. I was intubated. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they kept me, they kept me, um, you know, sedated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, yeah, they basically told me that it, and actually, my wife was the one who was telling me a lot about this, is that they told her, you know, especially when they came out after the four hours, because my wife was like, come on, what's going on? Yeah. And, and they were like, well, you really need to call the family now, because we don't know if he's going to make it. Um, and then, I, like I said, on Thursday, they ended up taking the tubes out. And the funny thing, the doc, one of the surgeons came in to take the tube out, and he goes, he takes it out, and I'm smiling. He goes, just smiling. He goes, yeah. do you know what you through yeah (laughs) he's like i was there (laughs) and he goes but then he's like screaming throughout the you could hear him on the floor this is why i became a surgeon (laughs) this guy is smiling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um but yeah i ended up you know and then october i ended up having another surgery oh and then they ended up putting the um the colostomy bag in okay that colostomy bag and i had that for ten, 10 months and then they finally reversed that so i don't have the colostomy bag anymore um but yeah i ended up with eight different surgeries and all because of this sarcoidosis and the side the side effects of the medicine right it's like a chain effect there's another word for that but yeah mm-hmm. yeah downstream problems yes so i ended up with all that and then after that i um i you know i had like i said i had the three hernia surgeries actually um, I actually might have to get another one. Mm. Um, it's actually distended again. But um, so after that, it was pretty calm on the surgery front. But unfortunately, the sarcoidosis re- went to 90% of my body. Okay. Uh, at the time, it wasn't in my heart at that time, but it ended up going into my heart. Actually, it started out in the fluid around the heart. Okay. Um, and then... Um, it ended up in, inside my heart. Um, and then the only, like, when everybody asks me where I don't have it, I say, it's e- I don't know where I have it. I always say, I don't have it in my liver and kidneys. That's it. Everywhere yeah. else in my body, I literally have sarcoidosis. Yeah. Even and so that skin. means, and so that, yeah, your skin. So that means like that these masses, so maybe different size masses, but just they have started to develop. Is that the right yeah. word? everywhere yeah. mm-hmm. basically yes. that your white blood cells are kind of what happens is they go 
they say that as soon as it gets into the lymph nodes, that's where the problems hit because the lymph nodes travel and it, you know, gets into the blood system. Right. It's so multisystemic. Yeah. 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 So once it got into there, it's pretty much had free reign of wherever it was going. Okay. And yeah, so now, like, now I have, um, like I said, I have it at 90% of my body. The pain level that I, every day is a seven out of mm-hmm. one to 10. Every day I live in a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately, um, in 2016, I was diagnosed also with Parkinson's. Okay. Now, that has nothing to do with the other. <laughs> and, right. You know, everybody automatically is like, oh, how, you know, did you get that because of sarcoidosis? Yeah. No. Are they, they really talking? Have nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they like, have no, nothing to do. There, probably There not. are some diseases, like, um, I, also, I also got diagnosed with Sjogren's, but a lot of sarcoidosis patients get Sjogren's because okay. of autoimmune, auto aspect of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And so that really is one. Um, some of those autoimmune diseases come up, like fi- even fibromyalgia is right. another or um, a rheumatoid arthritis, a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, have. Um, they don't consider, my rheumatologist now doesn't say I have rheumatoid because he's like, it's kind of redundant. Right. <laughs> he goes, you have, you have arthritis, you have arthritis. Yeah. I mean, you would get, and the only way to treat it is to treat it like rheumatoid arthritis anyway, because mm-hmm. there are no sarcoidosis arthritis medicine. Right. So, like I said, the only approved is prednisone, only approved medicine is prednisone and Actar gel, which is from, um, um, a company called Malincor. Um and that is um, they it's an injectable. It's injectable. Okay. Um, I've tried it. It didn't work for me because I'm too too far in, and it didn't work for me. But I'm seeing other patients that have it has worked wonders for them. Um, it's actually it's a repurposed drug. Okay. Um, that was used for something else. So um, and how they, do you? How does it work, or do they know what like what its mechanism is? Uh, what the actar gel part of yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Um, what they what they've said is that it was actually used, I think, for kidneys. I think I think it was. Um, but they were saying it actually has helped with the the white blood cell amount. It's like slows the amount that you make. Okay. Because most of like. Um, unfortunately for me, I, I'll say unfortunately a lot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But um, with me, my blood cell count right now, like, um, is thirty thousand. Um, average is like five thousand. Okay. Is like a, that's a high. On the average list is five thousand. Okay, so mine so is like thirty thousand, <laughs> like exponentially higher yeah, yeah. than high. And a okay. lot of a lot of sarcoidosis patients are higher. Usually, they usually range around ten thousand. Um, but because of the Parkinson's, also uh, my blood cell is trying to fight off and IBS. It's fighting, trying to fight off so much. Yeah. So unfortunately, so I, my body is really high. Um, just in 2017, I was actually told by both my Parkinson's and my sarcoidosis uh, main doctors that I was actually terminally ill. Mm-hmm. Now, they actually put me in the terminally ill because none of the medicines from, um, well, the Parkinson's, the um, carbidopa, levodopa is working on the shaking, but nothing is stopping it in the brain. Right. And the best way they describe it is, the Parkinson's and the sarcoidosis are fighting, they said, fighting for turf in my mm, brain. They're right. They're both fighting for, you know, the part of my brain. So I've had, I like, have palsy in, like, the 
fourth and the eighth nerves of my brain and it's so um but none is nothing is actually stopping that part of it mm-hmm. and in the sarcoidosis i've tried pretty much every medicine they even have at this point mm-hmm. um like and, different off-label stuff basically yes yeah yeah and fight um whether it's i mean there's some like rituxid is some of this um methotrexate mm-hmm. is another one um yeah i've tried those i've tried even umira mm-hmm. uh, that helps for arthritis and stuff like right. that that didn't work um remicade yeah yeah this whole, i mean has a list of i probably tried about 15 different drugs just for sarcoidosis and like some of them would work for like six months and then mm-hmm. would and like for you when you say that it works what i would imagine different drugs have different kind of desired outcomes this is like what you mentioned with the parkinson's like some are going to be treating kind of symptom based stuff and then some i imagine are intended to treat disease progression stuff or is this kind of a mix of those uh well the most for sarcoidosis it's just it's not the disease they don't they don't have anything so it's it's really symptom yeah yeah and um, like the methotrexate was working, actually worked for about almost close to eight months. And um, what it did is like for me, I was able, I was able to walk. The pain wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like my hands weren't like so weren't hurting all the time. I felt like not normal, but for me, no, a better normal for me. Yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of being in the seven pain, I was in the five pain or something like that. It's like, like an that. absence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and it was working real well, but then that also the um because it was chemo was affecting my stomach and mm-hmm. I started to get really sick at stomach wise so that's why they took me off of that. Right. That's a really but, um, hard trade off, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So um and then like even so like I said, I was uh, diagnosed terminal ill in two thousand seventeen. <laughs> they don't told me I only had months to live. This was wow. April of two thousand seventeen. And like uh, the one year anniversary, I let, I called every my doctors up and laughed at them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've always been a very stubborn person. Yeah, um, it came from my mom because, like I said, my mom was sick, and mm-hmm. she was always that way. Um, I started my own organization in 2012. It's okay. called Sarcoidosis of Long Island. Mm-hmm. And with that, I um, I was help. My main goal at the time was to help patients find doctors and also get treated early enough so like i said when you if you get treated early enough you could be that 75 percent that can go right. into remission. yeah and that was my biggest push for the um in the beginning yeah to just but, help other people not yeah. get sidelined basically yeah yeah that makes complete and, sense so then i went to um i was gonna i decided that um i called i called up my um senator schumer he's mm-hmm. my senator i called him up i called his office up and they were, I talked to the health aide, the health aide, and she's like, I never even heard of it. And I'm like, this is, sarcoidosis has been around since 1700s. Like identified. Yeah, Beethoven had it. Oh, I did not know that. But <laughs> yeah. that's a good, that's a good celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bernie Whatever. Mac, Bernie mm-hmm. Mac, he passed away um, from sarcoidosis. He had okay. pneumonia. Mm-hmm. He, but the sarcoidosis wouldn't let him fight off the pneumonia. Right. He was, was in his last year, year or two years of his life. He was walking around with oxygen. Mm. He had an oxygen tank for the, because of the sarcoidosis. Um, uh, Michael Clark Duncan from the Green Mile. Mm. The really tall guy in the Green Mile. 
Okay. <laughs> really big guy. Uh, he um, ended up having sarcoidosis of the heart, and that's how he passed away. He had a heart okay. attack. Okay. Um, that's the one thing about uh, sarcoidosis in the heart. It's usually they don't find it mm. until it until you have a heart attack. Right until afterwards. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. They actually did what they call a PET scan. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see where it was in my body. And uh, as I said, I lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> and they said they won't ever do a PET scan again with me because the way the way they figure it out is that even if I do have it in my liver and kidneys, if it, they're not acting up, we're not going to touch it. <laughs> it not right. Much of, There's like more harm than good. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, trying to so, intervene. Yeah. So, um, that's, yeah. So that's, um, one of the backgrounds part of sarcoidosis about the people wise. Um, mm-hmm. and then they, for me, like I said, they gave me six months. What happened was, is that, um, the, the vessels that, that go to, back of your head to the brain mm-hmm. that was supposed to bring the oxygen to your brain, my oxygen, um, uh, I don't know, aspect of my brain was really low. It was at one point, it was like uh, 37% okay. getting to my brain out of 100. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so out of 100. Really, really low. My vessels were getting clogged up. Mm-hmm. And with, my white, is it because of the white blood cell masses, like in your blood yeah. vessels? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, wh- how I knew that, I was starting to get really bad migraines mm. because I wasn't getting enough oxygen to the brain. Of course, you're mm-hmm. getting the headaches and the migraines. Um, it was so bad that I was getting 10 shots in the back of my head for the migraines. Okay. And, yeah. And it was so tight back there that I actually broke the needles when they would put them in. So she would, yeah, she, she uh, the lady who was putting them in showed me one time it was really, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. So one, um, th- one of the needles was like bent like sideways that's how bad it was yeah. uh but yet yeah that's how tense it was and they said that they would they would put a stent in it but i because my white blood cell count was so high that i would have less than a 30 percent chance of living through the surgery okay so that yeah again not a helpful yeah. surgery really or like, yeah yeah but yet if i was if they didn't stop it i wasn't going to get any oxygen in my brain hence why they gave me the six months to live Right. Uh, well, my this is where my, I was telling you my sarcoidosis doctor, Morgan Thout, saved my life. He actually couldn't he couldn't um, let that happen. He said that's the best word. He's like, I'm not gonna. He goes, you fought so hard for, for this long. Um, he found a doctor in John Hopkins. Okay. And um, she was a uh, a surgeon that he, she did this specialty surgery that was non-invasive um, to go back and try to clear out the um, the vessels. Basically, like, scrape it out. Yeah. But do it orthoscopically instead of actually having to go fully into the into it and put a yeah. stent in. Yeah. Um, but before that, she was like, there's three medicines that you can try that help open up your vessels. Mm-hmm. The first medicine I tried, it was it worked a little bit. Like, my, I think it went up to, like, almost 50 percent but then it stopped working it actually started i started going down again but the second medicine second medicine actually really helped um i'm actually still on it now (laughs) and my oxygen level in my brain is up to 87 percent 
Okay. Which is, yeah, is much better than 30. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So um, hope, knock on wood, that we can keep on going and that it won't get. They said if it goes on to 70, they're going to worry again because of the brain damage, the oxygen, Mm -hmm. lack of oxygen does to your brain. Right. And plus, what's the Parkinson's anyway causes a lot of brain damage. Right. Brain damage also. (laughs) So. Um, so I do, I have to keep up on that, but, um, like I said, I, I'm very, I refuse, like I, my motto is I have sarcoidosis, but it doesn't have me. Mm-hmm. I've always told everybody that, um, I still like, I have, my daughter's now 16 years old. Um, she's a, she sings. I go to all our concerts. I go out with her all the time. Um, my pain level now is close to eight, nine now. Mm-hmm. between the, the headache and now um and because now i have the hernia and now they're talking about but that we can't do surgery on that yet so right if surgery is a risk <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be and, so frustrating yeah so i mean like i said now i live for the past year i've been in like eight nine pain mm-hmm. level but if you saw me you would never know it um right. the only thing i use is a cane mm-hmm. um even though like my bones are hurt all the time and um I don't, that my um, sarcoidosis doctor doesn't put me on prednisone at all anymore because of um, what it does to your bones too. It also makes your bones brittle. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want any more accidents to happen because of side effect at this point. Right. And which help, has helped me. Also. I think being off of prednisone has helped me a lot, even yeah, though it's good for you. it helped with, to, it helped with the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, with all the other side effects. I ballooned up to 170, which I'm only 5'4", and, you know, putting that extra pressure on your body is not mm-hmm. really good for you, so that was it like... Did not feel good for your joints when your body yeah. was not, yeah, used to that or prepared for that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never went, I was never above 140 ever in my life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, then it blow up, blow up to 170, I was like, ah! Like, Hello, <laughs> prednisone! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so... Now I, you know, like I said, I still have my organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I jumped into the rare disease community. Um, I actually jumped in about 2013. And with that, because I talked to Senator Schumer about, and I went, I made that call. And then a, about two months before I actually went to visit him, the same lady, the health aide, calls me up a week before I was going down there. Uh, you're the one who talked about the sarcoidosis, right? I said, yeah. Because my mom was just diagnosed with sarcoidosis. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and she lived in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, she's—I uh, don't. She's like, I don't know of a doctor over there. I don't know how to help her. Can mm-hmm. you find me a doctor? Ten minutes later, I was able to find her. A doc- I have a listing of doctors. I, yeah. Um, keep a major list of doctors, and she's in remission now. Um, she's been in remission for the last three years now. Mm-hmm. But so I had a really close relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with helping his aide, and yeah. he actually spoke about sarcoidosis um, when Hillary Clinton was running for uh, president. She was in Harlem at, um, uh, for one of her, you know, uh, what a conference or whatever. And um, he actually spoke about it. He didn't tell anybody he was actually going to talk about sarcoidosis. Yeah, and he, he did. He, oh, I get the call that morning from the health aide. You need to turn on your TV. <laughs> He's going to talk about sarcoidosis. And he didn't even tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I just happened to get his speech. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he did that. 
my rep, then I started talking to my representative here. I ha- ended up having two con- congressional briefings mm-hmm. that I spoke in front of with the Senate and the and the House. Um, I was able to do those, and I also found out that we won't get not one penny from NIH. Mm. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Not one?" Yeah, excuse <laughs> uh, me. <laughs> yeah. So um, there is a national organization uh, called the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, which they basically basically were research. That's what they did. So I stayed out of the research aspect of it. But when I found out they weren't getting any money to help them, they had to go outside to get money for research. Um, I made it a kind of a goal of mine to, to get. I mean, I went. I went up to the NIH director <laughs> and we made a deal up is because we couldn't make an animal model. If you don't have a cause, how are you going to give it to an animal? <laughs> right. So, so we made a, a deal up where if we made a registry and we got over, uh, I think it was like 3000 patients, they would give mm-hmm. us money. Okay. So and, if you could demonstrate that there were 3000 people who, could part- would it be participate in research? Would that be yes. the goal? Yeah. Yeah. And um, we were able to do that within four, four months. Yeah. We ended up getting it. And got, yeah, they gave us, um, I think it was a million or $2 million. Okay. Uh, which was, I mean, from <laughs> zero. From nothing, to a, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, so now I actually still work with the, I'm actually considered um, a national ambassador for their, um, we started that program four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I I worked with them because they knew I was more involved with the patients than they were right. involved with the research. But they mm-hmm. wanted us. One of the things I told them was like, one of the reasons we won't get in research is because everybody that did talk about sarcoidosis, people were saying a it was immune, you know, autoimmune disease, and then mm-hmm. another person would come in and say no, it's an inflammatory disease. So no government official is going to give you money if you don't even know what it is. <laughs> yeah. If people can't even agree on what kind of, how to classify it as a diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So we made this patient ambassador program mm-hmm. um, four years ago and started out with 15. And this year we have 95. Okay. We have every state except for Hawaii, which I told them I would go there if they wanted to pay me for it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah why yeah, not so we, yeah we even have alaska we even have somebody in alaska yeah so um it has grown um it also had unfortunately the sarcoidosis has grown now we're almost out of the rare disease classification now mm-hmm. it is the second highest disease um a diagnosis for 9-11 first responders okay so that's that environmental thing again right yes. yeah and they're just, some of them are just getting it now, mm-hmm. even yeah. though it's 18 years later. Right. Do you, And do you think it's that some people are just starting to even experience it? Or do you think that some people are just starting to get, become symptomatic and get caught? Like, is there kind of, could there be a gray think, area where you don't know that you have it? Yeah. 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 And because um, a lot of times, like, if you, you would think it's asthma or you would think it's, right. you know, it, it mirrors a lot of other diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... They probably didn't even know they had it, mm-hmm. um, so they just knew they weren't feeling well, and right. they, you know, weren't probably breathing got, right. Have a cold, you can't yeah. get rid of, kind of thing. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of them that I talk to now have said that um, because it's actually now starting to get publicized is when they're actually asking the doctors, 
can you check for this now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, finding yeah. out that's where it is. Um, yeah. Mount Sinai Hospital in 2001 only okay. had 1,500 patients. Mm-hmm. For sarcoidosis? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And now they have over 20,000 patients. Okay. Yeah. That's a big, <laughs> big increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big amount. And they're getting 80 new patients a month. Okay. So, so yes. A lot more very, people. Yeah. yeah. It's, and a lot of it is because Mount Sinai is also one of the hospitals for 9-11 first responders. It's right. one of the hospitals. So, of course, that's where they're, you know, yeah. they're getting people in New York. People in, yeah. So, um, actually, it's really because I work with the 9-11 first responders. Um, a lot, even pe- the hospitals down in, like, um, I have one of our ambassadors, is, he he got Sakharov uh, from 9-11. Mm-hmm. And um, he lives in Florida now, but his doctors are still up here. Mm-hmm. This because, is where the care is. Yeah, well, well, it's where the care is, and also because of where the doctors that are approved for nine eleven are mostly up in New York, New Jersey. They didn't. Right. They haven't sent them, you know, approved hospitals down in Florida or approved hospitals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so like where they actually come up here? Yeah. That is like a John trip. Hopkins, another yeah, John Hopkins finally got approved, so they can go a little bit, not as mm-hmm. far, it's halfway. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's been, like I said, um, it's starting to grow up. Like, I just also found out that in my town, uh, Brookhaven town here, we have 500,000. Yes, we have 500,000 people that live in this town. Mm-hmm. Over 2,000 ha- um, have sarcoidosis. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot. <laughs> a yeah. Lot. And there's yeah. in a county, there's over 5,000, and the county has 1.5 million. Okay. And there's 5,000 patients that have, but I mean, there's about, I say about 10 towns in mm-hmm. Suffolk County, and we, we have probably the most in this, in this town, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And part of that is because we also have a, we have this, a place called Brookhaven Lab. Okay. And they used to do a lot of nuclear testing. Mm. And then we also had Sherm power plant that mm-hmm. was here major testing nuclear it was a nuclear power plant it's closed now but still mm-hmm. and then they had we have um they just found out we had a, um illegal dumping a, at the dumps uh nuclear waste and stuff like that so people okay. that. so yeah. there's so that's, a yeah a big we'll say open question about another environmental causes it sounds like since yeah, they had fallen out town a cluster mm-hmm like, this cluster, so yeah, yeah. So now, unfortunately, so now I've been working a lot with New York patients um, because just in my town is two thousand. I don't reach out to all te- two thousand. I found, right. found that found myself not reaching out. I was doing a lot of um, national things, and I'm like, when I found out the numbers, I'm like, I'm missing out in my own town. Right. I don't <laughs> even do- need to travel to con- yeah. to get in touch with people and support people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I needed to. I really needed. So that's been my push. Plus, with my health, I wasn't. I was traveling all over the United States, going to California, the, all over, and I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it kind of worked out that I got the numbers and I found out about it. And doing a lot of reach out programs here now. I'm working with the town council, and a we got April as Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. I got it in the town. I also got it in the county. Also got it in the state. <laughs> um, I actually had it um, introduced in 2000, 
2015, it was introduced in the ha- I mean, in the Senate. Okay. Uh, Senator Schumer introduced it, but with all the problems with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, political problems they're having, no Republican wanted to co-sponsor it because right. the Democrat For, brought it up. Yeah. For reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with health outcomes, of course. Yes, exactly. I'm like, we don't, I mean, the health doesn't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or anything. Right. Um, and that's my, was my biggest push. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so one of the biggest things that I actually, there's two things that I actually can say that, like, my biggest um, goals hit. And actually, um, I, I got a letter from uh, President Obama. Mm-hmm. Signed letter for my do- my job there, and the other one that really hits me is Senator McCain. Um, when the health care um, bill was being passed, and you remember when he went thumbs down? Yes. Um, Senator Shu, I was actually in Washington D.C. on vacation with my family. Okay. Um, I was going back and forth from 2012 to you know to now, and my daughter never went down to dc so she never got to see dc mm-hmm. and i have uh, she's living up here with me now and um so i was like you should come and we should go down there and see it so we yeah. went down there not realizing that the bill was actually going to go up and i got a call from um actually from senator schumer he wanted mm-hmm. me to go go and speak at, um about the health care issue and um, Just, so I and this go- is about coverage, like, yeah, the coverage issue, yeah, um, ACA about, stuff, oh, yeah, the ACA. And he wanted the senators to know who I was. Well, it ended up because the bill was so late at night; it was like one thirty. They were they actually voted on the bill. Uh, uh, he was like, "I'm not going to have you come down there." <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, I can't imagine those hours that they that, that stuff happens. <laughs> so what he did is not. And didn't tell me or anybody else my story. I sent I had I sent him my story. He sent it to all fifty senators, mm-hmm. and he actually sent to McCain saying from one maverick to another. Um, <laughs> and then the year after the vote, I got to meet John McCain, mm-hmm. and he talked to me about it. And he's like, "I yeah, I did read you a letter, and it did have an impact." He goes and. You know, this is one. Of the, you're one of the reasons why we don't we need care, healthcare. Yeah. So yeah. that was like really big because I didn't even. It's something I didn't even do, but right. it really. Yeah. Hit home. It was a lot that you did, and then a little <laughs> bit that you didn't know about, kind of. Yeah. 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 So it kind of really made me happy. <laughs> yeah. Do you have them both framed? I think I would frame them yeah. if I had letters yeah. like that. You're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, with, even with like when John McCain was sick. And mm-hmm. he was he was using a cane and I was using a cane and we were walking down the hallway and like I didn't think he would remember me because it was like a year later, year and a half later. And he walks, he's walking through and he goes, hey, this hallway is not big enough for the two of us here. <laughs> <laughs> and like his people were looking at him like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> a strange he, thing to say. Yeah. And then he winks at me. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shook my hand and left. Right. But it was like, everybody, like you could see like he had like 10 people around him all like, <laughs> who is <Yeah>. he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. It's really nice. And it's just, yeah. So, yeah. So, like I said, now I do a lot of things locally. Um, I do health fairs. I mm-hmm. do um, 
one of the things I'm doing that's out of the box actually is um, we started this last year for Rare Disease Day, which is February 20. It's usually every four years it's February 29th because okay. that's the rare rare day. Yeah, <laughs> um, makes sense. But if not, if not, it's on February 28th. Okay. Um, they uh, it's World Rare Disease Day. Yeah. And they um, a billboard company called me up and they have a billboard right in the middle of Times Square. And I did a, a billboard. It, um, it was from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. They ran ads um, every, uh, I think it was 30 ads. Yeah, it was 30 ads. And what I did is I actually put people's faces mm-hmm. uh, who had sarcoidosis. Yeah. And just a little, a little thing about actually let them put up something that they wanted to speak about sarcoidosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so kind of their own voices. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a twofold. It was for that. I thought it would help them. And it also helps people see it. And yeah. um, one of the biggest things about sarcoidosis is, is really the mental health aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with a disease that has no cure and it's so painful, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not many people have it. So don't, people don't feel like, you know, they're, they, they feel alone. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. A lot of them yeah. feel alone. In the past two years, um, we had thir- we had um, oh, what was it? 107 people pass away in the past that I know of. These are mm-hmm. people I know. Right. And out of that, and out of that, 30 of them committed suicide. Yeah. That's just in the past two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, really, really hard. Yeah. Of course for everybody and for community and for those patients and for their families. And yeah. So we, um, so I did, uh, that's one of the reasons why I did the billboard because I want people to know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so I started that. And then with that, I, I'm work, I, we just starting actually November is we have a on, national online support group now. Mm. Uh, um, because, you know, a lot of these patients have oxygen. If they're, you know, a lot of them use oxygen tanks. They can't get yeah. to a support group meeting face to face. So mm-hmm. we started that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we also have um, have I'm working with one company um, online um, so, um, counseling organization. Okay, so like one um, of the ones that does like chat or telemedicine. Yeah. Yeah, and they um, it's they are giving twenty percent off. For all sarcoidosis patients and caregivers, mm-hmm. uh, and that and they accept um, all all the um, insurance companies, and the twenty percent off would be off of their copay. Okay, so gotcha. Like yeah, twenty dollars copay, they get lose two dollars or whatever, but right. still, it's something. Right, <laughs> it's of course. Lot. And it it's nice that people know that they can do it, and, and it's all secure. And it's mm-hmm. you know it's HIPAA approved and all that, so yeah. they feel comfortable. And, and I just want them to home. know, yeah. And I just want them. That's my push now is working on that aspect. Um, one thing I can tell you, and I actually in 2015, I actually almost committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I put myself in a 72-hour watch. I don't know if you you know what that is. Mm-hmm. You put yourself in a hospital for yeah. 72 hours. Um, yeah, I did that um, because the pain was so bad. At one point, I just really felt like yeah. I was more of a burden. Yeah, to my family then, and then I like I have a counselor. I've had a counsel, counselor that I've been speaking to since 2012, and I actually called her up, and she's 
like you need to put yourself in and i right. did uh so i know that aspect of it yeah and, and i also want people to know because like everybody sees like my, my community sees me as a strong person mm-hmm. but i want people to know it happens to everybody right you know yeah okay. yeah and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean i mean it means something but it doesn't mean that you're weak or it doesn't mean that you're like it doesn't mean all of the stuff that we can kind of get, get yeah stuck i always in. say you're actually stronger for asking for help than you are mm-hmm. you're not asking for help yeah uh, because i mean it can weigh on you it really can yeah and of course and that's the one thing so i really wanted to push that and make sure people realize they are not alone. Like my hashtag is always you're not alone now. Um, and really pushing that. It, that's some things I still do national. Um, yeah. But but I can do it from here. Um, yeah. So it's like I'm not. Less travel. Yeah. So travel really was really hard on me. Yeah. Um, that sounds like I would. I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, uh, conferences in like San Diego that were a week long. But, but uh, I mean, I was gone next two weeks i was in bed yeah so, so and now forget it i wouldn't be able to do it like that right so i'm trying to make a difference with you know as limited with the limited mobility that i have or you know yeah resources so yeah and then and another i'm actually writing a book hey <laughs> <laughs> i'm writing it a sounds book about- like you have a lot going on which is wow <laughs> yeah. okay uh, no, well i'm I actually have a, a ghostwriter that's helping me write the book. Mm-hmm. That so makes sense. That seems like a smart way to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, like we already halfway done with the book. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, but what kind of book is it? I'm, I'm it's imagining a, it's about this stuff, but there's so many different ways that you can tackle it. Right. Yeah. Well, I, it's more like my journey mm-hmm. um, through life. Cause there's a lot of things that um, happen in my life that people, mm-hmm. I didn't know about um, and be that to show them that you could have that inner strength. And it's, it's a, even though I had all these journeys, I'm, ma- I'm making sure it is a positive book Yeah, that, you know, that people know that you can, you know, you still, it's up to you. Like one of the things I said to um, the doctors when they said, uh, you know, I had the six months, I said, I don't have a toe tag on yeah. <laughs> and there's no expiration date on me. I'm yeah. like, so it's up to me. And I always said that it's meant like, I always believe that 90% of it is mental. You, mm-hmm. you know, I could have, you know, once I found out I was sick, I could have crawled up into a ball. But when you do that, your body gives up. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want them to understand the strength. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, not different than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so that I wanted people to see that they can, you know, they can have that strength and, and it, you know, and then ask for help. That's part yeah. of the book is sure that they realize you can ask for help. It, yeah. you know, it helped save my life. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could have, I mean, with all the medicine that I have here, I really I could have killed myself easily. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I, that's where, you know, I'm trying to work on that now and mm-hmm. try to actually say they're going to get it out before Christmas. Hey, that's fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was surprised. I read, I, like, I actually wrote all my notes and gave it to them. Yeah. For the whole book, and mm-hmm. now they already got halfway through in about uh, a month. Wow, someone who is good at their job. <laughs> it sounds I think like. they have a couple of people though. They have a yeah. Couple, they have like four people working on it. 
Yeah. So, Just a but, team. Yeah. That's that's incredible too. Because yeah, I yeah. think like one of the things that can be really hard for people is is almost like figuring out how to balance. Because sometimes we'll get maybe in movies we get stories that are either like overcoming stories and that's the whole arc is like somebody who's succeeding no matter what and it's inspirational but when you're sick it can be kind of overwhelming like I don't have the energy to do that amount of overcoming every day (laughs) or we see movies that are tragedies where it's like kind of the opposite arc and I think it's so important for people to find ways to talk about all of the spaces in the middle of like I'm working really hard on something that I care about and also I sleep for two weeks after a conference like Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm having an impact and sometimes I'm taking care of my body and we can just yeah. do all this stuff at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. I like, yeah. And one of the things, like, I, my commitment is hour by hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of, you know, everybody day by day, I'm hour by hour because I, when I wake up, I don't know how I'm going to feel. Right. I have no clue until yeah. I wake up and it, it could be really, really bad or it could be really, really good. And then if I have a really good day, I, um, I've learned not to do too much. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> that's a hard so lesson. Good, yeah, it is. Because then I'll be in bed for another two or three days. So there goes my week. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm learning. And that's what I'm trying to te- teach people is to learn. You got to, you know, you got to moderation. It's mm-hmm. the best word, you know, moderation yeah. with everything. And for you, do you have anything that you can do with your habits that moderate your symptoms at all? So whatever it is, right? Like some people, it's medication, of course. Sometimes it's supplements. Sometimes it's diet. Sometimes it's just sleeping whenever you need to sleep. Like, is there anything that you notice that has any impact on how you feel? Um, Well, diet does help um, for, I mean, because like high sugars are bad for inflammation. Mm-hmm. And when you have an inflammatory disease, of course, um, and then like um, trying to stay away from the like greasy foods. I mean, I won't say I totally stopped them, no, because <laughs> I mean it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, a lot of it is moderation and mm-hmm. finding out, you know, what because the one thing they say about sarcoidosis, they call it a snowflake disease mm-hmm. because no two snowflakes are the same. Mm-hmm no two patients have the same exact um, symptoms. Okay. Uh, and they, no two patients react to the medicine the same way either. Mm-hmm. So um, one, that's what, I, like, a lot of people will call me and say, well, I'm feeling like this. Have you ever felt like that? I'm like, it doesn't matter if I felt like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, or, like, when people, like, I have my blog and people read my blog and they're like, wow, you've been through all this and how come you can do that and I can? I'm like, well, it do- that doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't work you could that have, way. Yeah, you could have it in one part of your body, and it could be just as hard as me having it in every part of my body. Mm-hmm. You know, if, especially if you have like for me, my lungs are actually better than the most of my my body. I mean, at one point, I went down to sixty percent on the uh, pulmonary function test, mm-hmm. which is bad. <laughs> um, you're supposed to be in the nineties. Okay. Um, so I was down for about six months. I was. Uh, in the 60s um and that's when they were talking about giving me oxygen and the whole deal and mm-hmm. um i know i know patients that have gotten lung transplants because mm-hmm. of it they only have it in their lung mm. one of my best friends she lived in canada who um unfo- she passed away she passed away last 
you know, two months ago, mm-hmm. and she had a lung transplant and she had a reaction to the lung transplant, mm-hmm. but she only had it in her lungs. And I'm like, so, you know, you can't say right. I have a worse than her or she right. had a worse. It, it just doesn't just work that know. way. Yeah. yeah. Never know. And don't minimize. Like, people are always like, oh, I see all these people have it all over. I feel bad. I'm like, don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Your experience yeah. is real and valid. And yeah. if it's hard, it's hard. It doesn't matter what your labs say, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had one more just technical question that I thought of kind <laughs> of after it was relevant. You mentioned how your town is a cluster for it and yeah. how uh, 9-11 first responders. Are there other clusters that have been identified? Yes, actually, um, well, you know, it's different for the United States than it is in other parts of the world. But um, in the United States, it's African-American women. Okay. Uh, are the higher and, um, excuse me, and down south. Okay. Like, um, southeast, like Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, um, Florida, that area. That, okay. Um, have uh, for the United States. But then if you go to Europe, it's Scandinavia country. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's like totally, two totally different. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about, you know. And so um, I like, I really believe it's environmental. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something in the, the areas, whatever, hence why we have a cluster here. Right. Um, and Scandinavia, they say they had a lot of problems before they actually went to the clean programs. They were doing a lot of, so that's why they have a high, high amount there. Where mm-hmm. like, um, the an Asian we, hardly any Asian popularity uh, pop, uh, pop, has it. Yeah, and the um, your population, and then Spanish people they say they don't have it. Which, <laughs> unfortunately, I am Spanish, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just where I, but I didn't get it from up here. I wasn't up here for nine eleven. I was down right. in Florida, right when I on it for me, but. Mm-hmm. But I was work. I was working around chemicals. I was working around the dust from the con- constructions. Right. And stuff like it's that. hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. So that wasn't a personal one. I just thought of it after because nope. you know so much about it on a <laughs> obviously on a systemic scale. Um, yeah. Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you think about a lot or talk about a lot about either sarcoidosis or chronic illness in general? And it's okay if the answer is no, because we've talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I think so. You know, we pretty much covered everything, you know? Yeah. Like, like I said, I just, I, unfortunately, because of my health, I had to drop back. Instead of doing all rare disease, I do a lot of sarcoidosis related now. It's mm-hmm. not like I forget about my Parkinson's, <laughs> because I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I start shaking, I know it's there. Right. Uh, it but, makes itself known. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, you know, the sarcoidosis is what caused my pain. So I guess that's why I work on it more. Right, right. And you've learned, you've had so much more time to kind of learn about it and focus on it and build resources (laughs) for it. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. You know, have some focus. Yeah. And thank you, you know, for everything, you know, for letting me be part of this. Yeah, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me. I know it's like a big time commitment when for anybody who's in pain and who needs to rest a lot. I really appreciate it, especially because I haven't talked to anybody else who has sarcoidosis yet. So that's always like a good, it's good to get this stuff out there. I know. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, we're actually getting this stuff out. Um, It's like, 
we're going to be out of the rare disease community very soon. I mean, it's just, it's going to be mm-hmm. what they, that's actually one thing that what NIH did to keep us in the rare disease community, because realistically we're probably over the 200,000 by now is yeah. that they actually went by the chronic condition. Mm-hmm. So anyone in 20- remission is not counted. They're not yeah. counting the women. They're counting the chronic. It's twenty-five to thirty percent now. It's chronic, so that they're counting that patient, those patients, instead of mm-hmm. the remission. That's why we're still under it, which actually helps us. Yeah, it is what because, it is. Uh, yeah, well, because in the rare disease community, you get a lot of bills for the whole community passed, and mm-hmm. which help us. Where I if see. We're, we're fighting against cancer, breast cancer, or, you know, or Parkinson's, you know, the, the big number of people, we're not going to really get anywhere right? when it comes to funds and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Actually, I did think of another thing just okay. because you're in a unique position where you've been through cancer treatment and you've also been managing this chronic condition. And this is one of the things that people talk about a lot. I think people who have invisible illness and invisible pain, um, I talk about the awareness around cancer and how that impacts the way that people respond to something like cancer versus how people respond to something like a chronic invisible illness. Did you experience that? I don't, I never know if people are like projecting and imagining this and. Oh no, it happens. Um, The first, the first thing when the um, oncologist actually said I had sarcoidosis, like, well, at least you don't have cancer. Okay. (laughs) That's right off the bat. I was like, great. Thanks. Um, Physically, I actually feel worse now than I did when I <laughs> I did before when I thought I had the cancer. Um, mm-hmm. Even through the the chemo and radiation, what I feel now is because it's every day, right? You know, it's every day. Excuse <clears throat> me. Um, and because it's invisible, people don't realize it. One of the, I mean, a lot of invisible illness patients and chronically ill patients hate. Well, you look good. Yep. Right. You look great. You must be you doing well. Um, if you saw my insides, you would not know. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's one of the st- stigmas to it is that it, we look fine. If mm-hmm. I didn't even have the cane, I would look normal, perfectly normal like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's it's so much pain. It's so hard. And right. even with doctors, even doctors will look at you and say, well, you look okay. What do you, what do you need this for? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, yeah. this is the whole thing. It's, it's not okay. Yeah. I went through 12 different doctors just mm-hmm. from up here, being up here in New York. I went to mm-hmm. 12 different doctors because I don't take, uh, I don't take when it, they tell me something where, especially when I know about the disease as much as I do know. Right. And when they tell me, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. You don't know enough to help me. I'm out. <laughs> Especially after what happened to me with the naproxen. That was an eye opener for me. And then, of course, the cancer part of it was an eye opener. But then I kind of laxed off again with the naproxen. I should have said something knowing. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't. And I almost lost my life then. I'm like, I'm not right. going through that ever again. Yeah. If I'm, you know, I'm going to fight, fight hard. But right. doctors are going to have to help me fight hard. <laughs> Yeah, so. yeah, and I'm gonna ask a lot of questions because yeah. not asking questions every, doesn't I help me. All, yeah, I tell all invisible any chronic illness is you're your best advocate. Mm-hmm. You have to be, and you have to know what you're dealing with. If you don't know, you're gonna you're just <laughs> barking up the wrong tree because the people are just gonna tell you what you think, what they think, and they're 
and they might not be right. And probably, you know, I mean, especially with these rare diseases, they don't know. Yeah. Um, one thing, Stony Brook Hospital is a hospital over here. It's also a college. The, um, the medical um, part of the college actually called up patients in the area and asked if they could do interviews on you, on them. And this, the one girl who did the interview on me um, was telling me, she goes, before, before I, you know, I knew you had sarcoidosis, you know how much I knew about sarcoidosis? We had one question on the, on the board exam for that. And we yeah. had one paragraph, yeah. one paragraph about sarcoidosis. Yeah. Nobody knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's exactly. not, they're not starting with like a high level of being informed yeah. about it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that extra, yeah. that decoy when you were like, I'm ready to take a break now. <laughs> no problem. Thank you again. I do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to episode 52 of No End in Sight. You can find Frank on Twitter at sarcoidosis of L-I, like short for Long Island. And you can learn more about his advocacy at sarcoidosisofli.org. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BennisB. And of course, you can find this show on Instagram at no.end.in.site.pod. I'm a pretty irregular poster because of my whole delayed transcript situation, but I did actually manage to get something new up there this week, so that was a real accomplishment for me. But of course, the whole reason that I've started a Patreon account is to help me get ahead on the transcripts, so I'll go ahead and plug that again. It's patreon.com slash noendinsight. As usual, don't forget that I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's quiet but growing, and you'll even find a few podcast guests in the group. And finally, this podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I've got some fun fall patterns in the shop and dozens of very simple icons that you can customize as much as you want. I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.